0: Good morning. Welcome to the new year. Isn't it awesome to be in God's house first Sunday of January? Come here and worship together, to fellowship together, to enjoy our time together, to start off the year with good habits. Last week, when Mr. Williams was talking to us and sharing with us about the sins that so easily entangle us and the weights that weigh us down. Kind of convicted me a little bit. Well, you say that convicted <laughs> you a little bit, it well, was a little bit, of a lot of it, you're being convicted, right? And I was, uh, I, I kind of shifted the whole theme of my message for the next few weeks. And so, what you have, in Bolton, is not what we're talking about today. Apologies. Blame God. Actually, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm just moved. I shifted this message up a little bit, and we'll go back to the other one. A few weeks from now. Where's my hunters in here? me see my hunters just raise your hand. I'm kind of your hunter. That's good. That's good to uh, how about my those who play sports? Okay, one, couple, two, three. Okay. Uh, let see. How about uh, those who uh, like to read? Those who like to read. There's a few more. Okay. Those are my knitters, my crocheters, and my crafters. You got cookers. Where's the, where's the man's hands up for cookers, okay? Sure. There's a couple of y'all in here, right? Were you good at that, any of those things in the beginning? No. I remember when I first started playing golf, I was 10 years old, and I get up there at my little club, and I never my golfers in here. There's a couple of us in here. right.
1: First time I ever got to in the
0: club, the ball, ball stick right where it was right or you hit it you could shut off the side first time I ever shot a gun you're looking at the target was, I didn't have a scope it was a 22 rifle or youth camp or something I'm trying to line it up and yeah it didn't hit the target it didn't hit the target I was like for me to reach I didn't hit the target well not quite that bad but not quite that bad First time I was playing tennis and the ball was going everywhere. First time I ever tried to kick a soccer ball or playing t ball and trying to hit that baseball, it just didn't happen like I envisioned it in my mind. Kind of like the Broncos this year. It didn't quite happen like we envisioned it in my mind. (coughs) But it takes time and effort, it takes time and going after these things and to continue working at it over and over again. Until we get it down to where we want to pay, to where I can hit the target, where I can hit the ball where I want it to go, where I can hit that ball with the tee, even the tee ball, and go out to the outfield. Catching the ball, crocheting, knitting, all these things that we do, the things that we practice. My girls still harass me whenever I make pancakes for them on Saturday mornings. They're like, Dad, did you put salt in the pancakes this time? Because I'm notorious for making my pancakes. And forgetting one little ingredient. <coughs> and for all, there seemed to I had a habit not putting the salt in the pancakes. So they would very gingerly cut them, add the syrup, and just take a bite, and we just we'll see Winston. oh, good guy, good sucking like this morning here. Dad, did you forget something? Yeah, I forgot that. One teaspoon of salt. And that made it all the difference. It takes a while for us to develop habits. It takes a while for us to get in the habit of doing the right things. But they say it takes 21 days of consistently doing something before we develop a true habit After Christmas holidays, after New Year's, I have a habit of stepping on the scale and stepping off real quick. The else me in that? Because this the line does not line up where I think it should be on that scale. So now I'm back to my habit of cutting out what I need to in the next few weeks until I get my weight back where I want it to be. I get a new belt and I can't judge it by <clears throat> my not I used to have a belt with holes in it and my that's said, you can get one of these belts that has no holes in it. I'm like, well that's good, it just kind of slides in there, it's real nice and real cool, but now I don't have, I can't judge by where the holes are in my belt. It's only when I am need to watch Now, I've got to count the clicks. One, two, three. No, not that many. It's hard to count 45 clicks. Developing these habits. And for us as believers, for we as believers, we get proper grammatical structure here. We as believers also have to develop good spiritual habits in our lives if we want to achieve a level of maturity, spiritual maturity where God wants us to be. We are not, when you become a believer, I became a believer, as I've said many times, at age seven. And hopefully I'm not at the point, spiritually, now, at almost 49, speaking of which, two days from now, it was a great birthday from me. In case anybody's curious, chocolate pies are always welcome, gifts at the door, gift cards, all the, just it. I'm not at the point of 49 where I was at age seven. Hopefully I progressed in my walk with Christ. But it didn't happen by accident. It takes active participation. It takes thinking about it. It takes looking at my life and practicing spiritual habits, putting these things into play in my life so that I can progress and become the man of God that he wants me to be. I'm not there yet. Well, you've been with your missionary for 20 years. You're you're the pastor of this church now for almost three years. Are you sure you're not where God wants you to be now? That I'm not where God wants me to be. I'm not the husband and father God wants me to be. I'm not the kind of leader and pastor that God wants me to be. I'm not in my walk as a believer in Christ, where He wants me to be. Every year I have to make, I have to reaffirm, I have to get my life back on track. And the first year is always a good time to do that, right? So as you reevaluate your life, you reevaluate. Last year, you all oh, I messed up and I stopped reading in February. I stopped doing these things in March. I stopped pursuing that like I should have in October. Well, now's a good time up here for us to pick up those pieces. And there's no judgment. There's grace found in Christ to step up and say, yes, I messed up. I didn't get where I wanted to be last year. Let's pick it up and continue moving on. So the next four weeks, we're going to have four different topics. Okay? Just setting it up now so you know. I'm not going to tell you what order they're going to come, because I don't want you to say I don't want to be here when he's talking about fasting. You just skip. Yeah. Okay, so today we're talking about Bible learning. How we need to integrate this spiritual discipline into our lives. And over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about prayer and fasting and community of believers. Okay? Now, I'm not telling you what order we're coming in. Because when we get to talking about fasting, there's all these Baptists there going, Why? You want us to fast? Yes, I do, actually one of the greatest spiritual disciplines we ever began to practice in the overseas we learned how to fast and began to enjoy fasting. So think, how can you enjoy fasting do you, you begin to enjoy because we saw God do some miraculous things. we saw God work and make miraculous ways in our lives and the lives of our community as we began to learn to fast. So we'll get into that sometime in the next few weeks but today, I want to talk to you about God's Word. One of my favorite times in our services on Sunday mornings, when Dave comes up here and he reads the Scripture, he reads God's Word, and he challenges us to stay in God's Word, to stay in God's Word, to read God's Word, to remain in God's Word. Now, I love reading. I love reading the Star Wars books. I love reading, when I was younger, I read Hardy Boys books. I had a whole series of Hardy books. And I began reading from 1 through 50 or 60 if they knew I'd a to Now there's only 100. That author made a lot of money off of me. My girls read. That we have to tell them, we have, our, our, our restrictions on girls, well, when we put them under restriction, it's not because they have to tell them, you can't read. No, please let us read. We, want to read. we have to go peel them out of their rooms. What are y'all doing up there? On your iPads or on your, on your Kindles or your, on the computer? No, we're reading. We say, no, get off your book and come downstairs and join the family. But, Dad, I'm with the good part. But I tell you what, reading God's Word will make more a lasting effect on you than anything else. Reading God's Word, reading to make a habit of reading God's Word. We're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. If you want to go and turn there in the Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3. As we begin talking about why is it important to develop a pattern and make the reading of God's Word a vital, important part of our daily discipline. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17 says, as Paul talking to Timothy, he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that a man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. As we look at God's word, we look at why we read God's word, we look at the importance that we place on God's word in our church. This has to be the foundational core of our walk with Christ. Our faith is developed through reading of God's word. Our prayer life is developed through the reading of God's word. Our fasting habits are developed by the reading of God's word. Our desire to be in community with the body of Christ is developed by the reading of God's word. This is God's love letter to you and I. His love letter. Think about it. We just got a bunch of Christmas cards this year. I got a whole house full of Christmas cards. and you'd open them up. Some of them just sign your name and that's great. Some of them people have letters in there and you read through the letters and you want to hear what happens to their families. You track them on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, other social media sites. You want to see what happens to people's lives and you read their posts, you read their letters, you read things. When I was dating Regina, I would get, I would write her a letter, I'd write her a letter, I'd write her a letter and I'd get one back. I'd write her a letter, I'd write her a letter, I'd write her a letter, I'd get one back. Guys, can you relate? But when I got that one letter, I opened it up and I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it because I was interested in what was happening in her life. And I wrote really small my letter; she wrote really big. So she's she's not here this morning, so I can tell you a little bit. My letters were much more interesting, much longer. I shared them. I showed them in detail. And I got back. Hi, glad you're here. Miss you. Bye. But I would take our letters and I would read them. What if we looked at God's word with the interest that we placed in the love letters we got from our spouse, my boyfriend, my girlfriend? Those notes, those texts. We long to see them, we long for them to come in the mail. Like we what if we long for God's word like that? This is God's love letter to us. It's not just a combination of 66 different books and different from different authors over 4,000 years, from different authors over 44,000 years. This is God speaking through his prophets, through his special authors to communicate to us his mind. To communicate to us how he wants us to live. To communicate to us how and what his expectations are for us to grow as a child of God. There's power in these words. There's a reason why the Bible calls itself a two edged sword. It cuts coming and going. Coming and going. You read it, and you go, oh, that was awesome. You come back again a month later, and you read the exact same passage. And God reveals to you something else. I still remember when I was in college, one of my Bible professors, he was called Mr. Bible. Harold Bonington. He got up there and he would share, and he would use just written like this. What true, truth is going to drip off of his lips today from his revealing of this Bible study. And he came into class one day when I was in seminary. he says, students, I want you to know God taught me something brand new today in God's Word. What? This guy's like hung out with Jesus back 2,000 years ago. And really, God showed you something new? He said, I mean, he opened up and he says, Let me show you the Old Testament what God showed me today. And, and his quiet time. And are like, Really? You're still having a daily quiet time where God's revealing stuff to you, new each and every day? Yes. And it impressed upon me the importance of making sure that I'm spending time in God's Word. Because it's not just a book like the Hardy Boys books, it's not just a book like C.S. Lewis's. Books, if the Lord learns books or whatever you like to read. This letter, this instruction manual from God is vital to our walk with Christ. In fact, Paul even says that to here in 2 Timothy. He even writes this to, to Timothy. He says there in the first couple of verses, This is bad for you. Continue in what you'll learn and what you firmly believe, knowing from whom you believe, and from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, that you're able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. He says, Timothy, this word, this, these, these sacred scriptures that you have, these sacred writings, they're totally authoritative in your life. You can rely on them. You can trust in them. You don't have to doubt any part of this book. They are totally and completely authoritative. Trust them. In fact, he says, go back. He says, you continue on what you have learned. You can go back to those writings and go back to those writings and go back to those writings and you can trust in them. He says, Timothy, remain in what you have learned. Believe what you have believed from childhood. You can trust them. You don't have to doubt God's word. Every." Word in here, the Bible says, don't remove one jot or one till from his word. If anybody does, curse on him. A jot or a till is like a dot, a comma, a little punctuation mark. You're thinking, really, even punctuation marks? Yes, even the punctuation marks are important. It affirms the even those sacred writings. remember back then when Paul was writing, they didn't have the New Testament as we have it today. All they had was in sacred writings with the Old Testament. How many of us enjoy reading the Old Testament? How many of you say, I really wish I could get into Leviticus today? One, two. I long to read the minor prophets. I can say that now, I couldn't say it a couple years few years ago. As our family, as we've been slowly reading through the Bible together, we got to Leviticus and Numbers, and you're like, oh really? Okay. I'll tell you what, when we got through Leviticus and Numbers, our family walked away and went, Wow, there's a great depth of truth in there. And we didn't get bogged down in the so-and-so, we got so-and-so, we got so-and-so, we got so-and-so, we got so-and-so, so-and-so, because we began to see how God was working it all together, and his plan was revealed to us in his word. I told you before, and I'll tell you again, one of the greatest times I ever spent in God's word was when I read through this entire book in 90 days. That was my plan. Actually, I read it 100 days. My plan was to read this whole book in 90 days to get this overview of God's word, an overview of God's plan. And I walked away after 100 days to "Wow!" And I began to fall in love with God's word that time. Another time as Virginia and I, when we were dating, we used to read, we prayed pray through the Psalms together. And this was by a time to impress me. Right? We used to begin praying through the Psalms over the course of a couple of years. And we'd read through Psalm 1, and I would read verse 1, and then I'd pray about it. And she would read over verse 2, and then she would pray. Then I'd read verse 3, and then I'd pray. Then she'd read verse 4, and she would pray. We got to Psalm 119. The others we could pretty much do in one day, or one night. I said, honey, let's, let's break up Psalm 119 into about four or five days. The longest chapter in the Bible, right? Everyone stares away from it. I, 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 I got Psalm 119, 114. You know that word's a lamp in my feet, light my path. We all got a few of these other verses, but who's going to sit down and read one hundred nineteen all at one time? I do it now. We sat down. We began praying through Psalm one hundred nineteen, and we took it section by section, by section, by section first five or six days, and we walked away. And praying for that song. Realizing that this is not just David writing this. David is communicating to his readers and to his hearers of this song his love for God's Word. How he longed for God's Word. He saw the preciousness of God's Word. He found enjoyment and joy in God's Word. Psalm 119 is a love song about God's Word. You don't hear that today. You don't hear people singing songs about God's word. You don't hear people singing songs about the preciousness of his holy word. They avoid some of the difficult chapters and the difficult books. I want to challenge you this year to not avoid any part of this book. But to make it your mission to engage God in those dark in those hard places those places that are normally difficult for you. To find God, find his meaning and find his mind, find his words that are precious to you in those difficult places, in Leviticus, in Numbers, in the minor prophets, and even the major prophets, or in the Psalms, I don't understand this. Why is David calling down judgment upon his enemies? What's he trying to teach me? God, what are you trying to teach me in this passage? Find God there. And when you find God in those difficult passages, you'll walk away with this understanding of who God is. Anymore. You are awesome. And you'll come to church on Sunday mornings, and your worship won't just be words that you're singing in the praise time, worship time. But they'll be, as you're lifting up your voices, you're lifting up your eyes to heaven. And you go, God, you are, I'm singing this now because I realize you are an almighty God. I realize that you are much more in store for me than I could ever imagine. I realize that you are worthy of the words I've seen the words I've seen. The words I've seen. God, you are worthy as you walk away from spending time in his word. You realize it's authoritative that there's nothing in his word that's been disproven. Scientists have learned, and liberal theologians and historians and archaeologists have tried for years to disprove this book, years trying to disprove it. C.S. Lewis started out, his goal was to disprove God by reading his word, and he ends up at the end going, if this book is true, everything is true, I need to commit my life and become a believer. He did. Lee Joel, who is an atheist, he was a, a uh, Chicago Tribune they call the reporter, columnist, very belligerent atheist, said, I'm going to read through this thing as well, and I'm going to disprove the Christian faith. began reading it, began reading it, began reading it, and then he wrote his journey in a book called The Case of Christ, about how he found Christ, and God used his studies as an atheist to draw him to himself. This book is powerful. That's why the world fears it. I'm in conversations right now with a couple people and they're like, I don't know how God could create the world in seven days. I don't know how, how, how we could do it. I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. I say, well, it's, it's, why are you an atheist? Well, I don't believe you can know there's a God. Really? Because God reveals himself to me right here. God's revealed himself to me over and over and over again in his word. So you're saying to me that if I can show you that this book is authentic, that it's historically accurate, that it's scientifically accurate, that that would make you reconsider your position on God. Well, yeah, of course. So guess what I start? Genesis chapter 1, John 1, 1, in the beginning is God. We go back to talking about how God's plan is revealed to us in His Word. We begin going back to Genesis 1 and showing how God created mankind and how mankind abandoned the plan of God from the very beginning. Now God did not abandon us, even though we abandoned Him. Why do we give more emphasis in our lives to social media, to what's on the tube, to the Broncos scores, to what's happening, I mean, all these things being have been memorized. joke about Hamisa, says, she's our, our sports commentator in our house. The other day we were watching something and halftime came on so I turned the volume down to I the No, Dad, turn back up, I'm like, what? Yeah, I want to hear what this commentator, I want to learn something about these teams. And she's got these facts and things memorized. She knows what people went to school. And she knows how,
1: to, oh, this, whole, this quarterback's no good. This
0: running back's no good. Where do you learn this? From listening to the commentators. My nine-year-old daughter. How many of us know more facts and figures about our sports figures that we follow or the, or the actors or the those that are in the news than we do about comes See, we worship what we're passionate about, and God wants us to be passionate about his word, about following and reading his word. to come here on Sunday mornings and worship him in spirit and in truth. It's got to start with finding passion in this. The Jews got tired of waiting for Moses up on the mountain. He went up there for about a month to talk to God. And while he was up there, what happened down below, the Jews came to Aaron and said, Aaron, you've got to build us, we're afraid that Moses abandoned us, you've got to build us an altar, you've got to build us this image so that we can worship God at that image. And people poured out of their pockets, they went in, they pulled their earrings out and they brought all their gold and silver. And so Moses fashioned this golden calf. And they worshipped the calf. They were afraid that God had abandoned them, that Moses had abandoned them. And so they turned to something else and began worshiping this golden image. Moses came down. Yeah, he wasn't happy, was he? In fact, God told Moses, go down there. I'm going to wipe out the whole nation. I'm going to start over again with you. And Moses interceded on behalf of the people. He says, no, God, don't wipe them out. Let me go down and we'll set things straight. So these people were passionate about their fears. These people were passionate about trying to create an image to replace God. What have we replaced God with today in our lives? What do we replace worship of Him with every single day? What are you passionate about? Maybe you're passionate about getting paycheck each week. By getting more and more and more. You're passionate about accumulating things. You're passionate about learning all the sports, things like Kenisa says, What are you passionate about? Because what we're passionate about is who we, who we worship. Hope that this year you become passionate about reading God's word. To become passionate about learning about who God is from the reading of his word. God gave us his word to teach us to trust him, you know, to put our faith in him. I said this yesterday in our men's Bible study. Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the faith chapter, not the do chapter. The people of God who are lifted up and exalted in his word are those who are to trust him and they walk in faith, not because of what they do. Their faith leads them to do, but they are exalted lifted up because of their faith, and we're trusting him. God gave us his word partly so that we can learn to trust him. If you want to develop if you want to grow in your faith, you want to grow in your maturity, you want to grow in your knowledge of who God is, it's got to start right here. So all man's efforts to create God have failed. You see that with the ultimate calf. They tried to create God. God says in his word, everything you need to know about me, I have given you. Right. For some of us, we have a little skinny Bible, some have a thicker Bible, some have smaller Bibles, some have digital Bibles. It matters not where you find your Bible. What matters is that you find. So God's Word is authoritative. Secondly, God's Word is our true north. His Word is our true north. You ever been? camping, hiking. I know there are hundreds of fishers, fishermen in here go hiking and camping all the time. Whenever we go to Boulder with our family, we go hiking up there. In the back of my mind, I always know where the car is, right? No matter which way I turn, I know where the car is. I've always got to come in the back of So If we get lost up at the, on the hill, I know I go down this hill, I've got to go around this corner, and it's going to eventually lead me back there to where my car is parked. We're not going to get lost. We watched the game show the other day. And in the game show, the people got on this two chairs, and they spun around, 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 and when they stood up, they're supposed to get to the little knob at the end of the runway, and they're all over the stage. And literally, they got to the, the stage gets narrower as you get toward the end where the little thing is supposed to grab. These guys are falling off the edge. They can't, we can't grab it because their internal compass had been messed up. When we get sideways with God, it's not because he's moved. It's because our internal compass is heading no of back. And the way we get our internal compass back on track is right here. This is the first step in getting your compass back and track to finding your true north. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may what? May be complete and equipped for every good work. This is, where we find our, this is where we find our grounding. This is where we, we find our teaching. This is how what grounds us in our Lord. This is what grounds us in our Christian walk, in our Christian faith. This is what grounds us in our marriage. This is what grounds us in our sinner morality and our ethics. This is where we find the foundation. You can talk to people all day long and they say, Well, I believe this, I believe that, I believe that it's okay to live this way, I can't believe it's okay. What's your foundation? What leads you to believe that? What leads you to believe it's okay to sleep around? What leads you to believe it's okay to embezzle money? What leads you to believe it's okay to live this lifestyle? Well, I just believe that way. My foundation and my bearing on what I believe was right here. This is my guiding principle. This is my life compass. It redirects me in the right way every single day. If I don't ground myself in God's word, I can easily be swayed to walk the We've got to ground ourselves in God's word every single day. We know in Colorado, the mountains are where. West. We, we, first thing you learn when you come to Colorado, all the streets are north, south, east, west, and if you ever get lost, look for find the mountains. They're that way. And they are left, so you know that this way is what? I don't know. Is Good, see, y'all Colorado. <laughs> we know those things. Foreigners don't know that. Not okay. colorados. Now, I'm a, I'm a foreigner transplant. I've immigrated to Colorado. So I've got to have to get a visa stamp in my passport with that. We got we got some Canadians in here, and we had they had two or three passports and stamps and pieces. Those from the south, they're like, "What's this white stuff on the ground? How do we drive in it?" But we know that's west. God's word when we get off track leads us back on the right path. My sister got lost one time, they were living, the my parents were living up in the mountains. And they told my sister, if you ever get down to Lakewood, you ever get downtown, and you can't find your way back, because she was like directionally dyslexic. She could not find, north was south, south was east, east was something else. She could not follow directions, she could not find her way back. And she had to get back on 285 to go back up into the mountains, where my folks lived. She got herself turned around a lake one day and forgot. My dad said, "If you ever get lost, look west. Go toward the mountains, and eventually you'll find the road. Make sure the mountains are on your left as you're coming in. If you're up the north side town, make sure you are not on your right. And eventually you'll find 285 and you'll be up to the hill." She had turned around, forgot that, it started getting dark, started getting foggy, and she couldn't see the mountains. By the time she finally called, she was over. Wait for it, She was really lost. She was going the wrong way on 285. Or whatever she was on. She finally calls and we said stop at a gas station and ask somebody for the directions. And this is our direction. This is our map. This is our path. Lighting the way to show us how to get back on again. When you're in a life funk, you need to always look to the true north to find our direction. God's word always points us true north. Well, we are in China. <laughs> <laughs> Korea, we're a hiking up the mountains there. The signs are a little different. They look a little different. Luckily, they put the English underneath. So when we go hiking, we get out. Can you read that? Zion, Zion, two thousand and five, ladies and gentlemen. These ones down here, I can read. As we get up there, get turned around. I was so thankful for the signs to show us the way back to the parking I was so thankful that they marked the trail for us to show us how to get back to school. If you ever get off track in your life, this book is your trail marker. This book, no matter what language it's in, this book is your trail marker. Right, just need pictures on a sign. Colors on, on a sign. It's your trail. Remember. This book will lead you back to the trail that I want you to be Walking the thing. Now how do we do that? Is, is, <coughs> obviously we uh, will we to spend time in God's word, but why do we want to spend time in God's word? Think about it. How, what is Satan trying to keep you from doing every single day? What is his trick? Leviticus is is Numbers are boring. It's full of rules and regulations that I don't understand. The Old Testament prophets—they didn't understand my situation right now, so we don't read them. We don't spend time in them. I'm going to read the red words. Those are Jesus words. I'm going to focus all my efforts on the red words of the Bible. Red letters. Unless you are like my Bible, I have no red letters. Don't black. Satan's trick for us is to keep us out of God's word. What was Satan's, what was Jesus' trick when after 40 days of fasting, when Satan came against him to tempt him? What did, Satan, what did Jesus use to defeat Satan? He used God's word. He used God's word to defeat Satan. And he couldn't do that unless he knew God's word. Now, of course, he wrote it. So he had an advantage over us. But that's no excuse for us to not get into God's word on it. I to, I'm, I'm this way, I've talked to some others. I just can't memorize God's word. That's why cheat sheets are so awesome. Stick it in the back of your Bible, put it in your wallet, put it wherever. And you carry these cheat sheets around you that remind you of God's promises of God's word. Here's the to the Christian bookstore, You see this little tiny book these are God's promises. Those are awesome. I carry that one of those in my car because I cannot memorize where the flip. I have a hard time memorizing. Two plus two is five, right? <laughs> I really have a hard time memorizing, but I use these cheat sheets. I have notes written in the margins, I have notes written in the back of my Bible to remind me where to go to find certain things. And it's amazing, the more I go to them, the more I go to them, the more I go to them, guess what? God brings it back to my mind. When I'm talking with somebody at Starbucks, or I'm talking with somebody in the store, or I'm meeting with somebody, guess what God brings back to my mind? His word. You can't remember what you've not ever studied, what you've never read. We develop a hunger and a thirst for righteousness by reading this word. It's a great way to find out about the author of the world. A couple quick ways we can do that. Almost everybody, except the rich in this room, has a smartphone. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a phone. You don't even have a dumb phone, I know. <laughs> If you, want to, if you want to get all rich or Don Munson, don't, don't call his cell phone. you got to call them home late at night. That's when you find him. Wake them up. They don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On your, almost everybody's got a smartphone. There are so many apps out there that you can find for your smartphones. When I use is this person, the new version app. There's BibleAd.is, Donaius, Logos, Olive Tree, BibleGatory.com, ESV. There's got a gazillion of them out there. they all got God's Word. They've all got different little features that you can stick on here to carry with you every single day. You can stack, uh, and unlock it with my daughter's thing. You can find reading plans. You can find everything you need right here and carry God's Word with you. You don't have to carry a big, bulky Bible. I go to work in the morning, early in the morning. I, find, I, I take a new version Bible app and I'll, it'll read to me. I stick my headphones in. I put it in my ears, and I'm reading, listening to God's words. I'm walking, walking down, walking down the aisles. And I'm at work, as I'm driving to work. God's words fill my mind, filling my mind, filling my mind, filling my mind, because I want God's word to be a part of me. Those smartphone maps are awesome, and on them you can find reading plans. But the U version app, the reason I like it is it's just recently opened up a new feature where you can do a reading plan with a group of people. And during the Christmas holidays I invited several of you guys to join me and reading through a, a reading plan together and I was, oh George has read this one. No, George has read that one. George doesn't read that one. George, why are you just behind us? And you can read together and keep each other accountable in reading God's word. Actually George is more faithful in reading the novels. <laughs> I'm just picking up. You can leave comments and you can read about Oh man, I read this awesome thing Punch it in there. And I can then look and see how God's word is impacting George's life or Jane's life or my ghost lives. And you can read together in God's word. <coughs> it accountable. It's awesome. if you don't have access to a smartphone, Rich. Uh, and, and Kathy lets you get online. You go to Bible.com or the reading plans, Bible and you can there's reading plans here. You can read God's word online and find different Area. What interests you? Is it Isaiah's, the Minor Prophets? Is Leviticus and Numbers? How did I keep bringing that up? On the back table, for those who don't want to do either, Rich. I'm just pick one. All right. I brought in, for those who don't get online or don't want to get online, or don't want to use the phone, the five by five by five reading plans on the back table there. Pick one up. This is... Going through the New Testament for the next 365 days, you read it and you study it. Five minutes a day, five days a week, five ways of digging deeper in God's Word. Pick one out, take it with you, stick it in your paper Bible. Mark it off, mark it off, mark it off, and let God's Word become a part of who you are. Dig in deeper, develop a spiritual habit. For the next 21 days. Can we commit together as a church, as a body of Christ, as Mount Stays Baptist Church? Can we commit together for the next 21 days to make to reading this a habit? To not give up, to not give up, to not give up. For 21 days, read, 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 and then God's will become a part Can we commit together to do it? I'm not asking you to do it in 90 days. To read this whole thing in 90 days. I'm saying for the next 21 days, develop a spiritual habit. And for five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, whatever it is that you, that you want to do, whatever God's leading in your heart, to let this book become a part of you every single day. There's no excuse for not letting this book become a part of who you Can We join together and commit together to do that. And we will see this body, this church, radically transformed because of the reading of God. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you today, Lord, that you have given us your word, that you have given us this love there to you. Lord, I ask that this morning that we would commit ourselves to you, to reading your word, that we would recommit ourselves to develop a passion for your word, Lord, I love you, and I long for you. But that doesn't just come naturally. It comes by making you a part of my everyday life. So letting you get into me. And as John the Baptist said, I must become less; I must become greater. And that happens to be reading your word, spending time with you, and letting you impact me. I thank you, Lord God, for your love, for your word, for your message for us. Jesus, let me pray.